Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 70, motherfucking seven, double sevens, not triple sevens, we're not hitting the jackpot just yet, we got kind of a ways to go before we hit that, we got a ways to go before we even hit triple digits, yet alone 777, but right now, I'll just take 77, that's cool, I'm cool with 77, I like 77, it's a cool number, double sevens, baby, it's not snake eyes, but it's, well, it's, it's two sevens, anyway. Um, I am here, episode 77, it's just me today, I apologize, but I did have a nice little little rush of guests there, Joe Fenty, Scrizzly Adams, Connor Carter, Matt Bellick, so if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, please check them out, they're fantastic episodes, those are all fantastic guests, and I appreciate every single one of them, and I appreciate every single one of you for tuning in to episode 77, I, I, I really do, it is a genuine appreciation, I'm not just pandering, uh, I'm not just saying that, I'm being sincere right now, so don't judge me, okay? It's a sincere moment, you guys are the backbone of this podcast, but me, I am the dick, I am the rock hard dick of Feel Good Friday, but you guys are the backbone, so there you go, we're all playing our parts here, and uh, and the guests, the guests are, uh, I don't know, the arms, or something. I, I have no. I didn't really think out all the parts of this, uh, you know, thing. But it is what it is. It is what it is. They're the arms. So take that as you will. Arms are useful. And if you're listening to this and you don't have arms, I apologize for you know kind of rubbing it in your face right now. But I really hope you have arms because they're they're pretty handy. No pun intended. Anyway. Episode 77, I'm knocking another one out. Speaking of knocking out, it's been quite the uh, quite the recent era for brawls. There's two big ones. Two big ones I know about. We'll start with the first one because uh, it affected me a little bit more. And I know some of you may hear that. And after you hear the brawls I'm talking about, you might be like, why did this one affect you more? Just hear me out. Tim Anderson, old TA7. On my beloved Chicago White Sox. Disappointing year for them. Like I said in episodes past, they are a trigger for me. Every time I, you know, try to pay attention to them, they just disappoint me. And then when I don't pay attention to them, they start winning. I'm like, oh, fuck it. Maybe they're maybe that's what I need to do. But then I get tricked in. I'm like, hey, they're on a little winning streak. This is nice. They've won, you know, six out of eight or something like that. And then it's, you know, I'm like, maybe they have a shot at the wild card. And then they don't. And they're 18 and a half games out of the wild card right now. It's already mid-August. I don't think they have a shot at the wild card. But my dumb, optimistic brain, you know, tries to convince myself that they do. But uh, this happened a few days ago. It was White Sox. It was Guardians. Um, Jose Ramirez was at the plate. I already don't like this guy. He's on the Cleveland Guardians. It's pretty much the rival of the White Sox. You know, it's maybe the Cubs and the Guardians. Those are the two biggest rivals. The Tigers, sure. The Twins, sure. Like, I guess all AL Central teams are kind of rivals. Royals, I don't think... Like, the Royals are like the Lions of the um, AL Central. Like, no one ever really takes them seriously, even when they are good. They're like, what the fuck? Why are the Royals good? Uh, I guess the same can be said about... The AL Central just fucking sucks. The AL Central is very bad. But anyway, Guardians, whatever. They're fine. I don't really, the AL Central stuff doesn't really bother me, but I guess they would be considered a rival. They're definitely a divisional rival. 
And Jose Ramirez, I don't like. You could talk. You could talk to Donnie and Griffin about my NBA takes. I, I, I do have an aversion to ugly players. In my opinion, ugly. And I know I'm no George Clooney. I get that. So maybe I shouldn't be the one to judge people's looks, especially people that are tons, tons more successful than me. But Jose Ramirez, ugly guy. Really puffy face. It looks like he just had an allergic reaction to some some shellfish, and uh, and he just lives like that. Uh, so I don't like him, and plus he's been a pest to the White Sox because he's he's really good. He's underrated. No one really talks about him, and he's really, really good. So I respect him, but don't like him because uh, he's kind of ugly. Anyway, it is what it is. Some people are ugly. I might be one of those people. I probably am. But he hits a, he hits a base hit into, I believe, right field. He's rounding first. He's going for two. He tries to slide in. Uh... T.A. tries to put the tag down. I think Ramirez was safe. I believe. I didn't even pay attention to the fucking call. But I'm pretty sure he was safe. Him and T.A. get into it. There have been some tension building. Tension. Tension. Tension building. Whew. It's a rough one. Sorry. I'm waking up. Physically clocked in. Not mentally. Um, I tell customers that all the time at work. Whenever I make a mistake. And they're like, <laughs> I get it, dude. I get it. So. Bear with me. Um, tension had been building between Tim Anderson and not necessarily Jose Ramirez, but kind of a lot of players. A lot of people think he's been disrespecting the game, talking too much shit. And maybe he has for a team that, you know, is not doing well. Very, very underperforming squad in the uh, in the Chicago White Sox. I'm very disappointed. So this little altercation happens. Ramirez points in Anderson's face, kind of puts a finger in his face. Anderson doesn't like that. Anderson says, fuck that. Let's take the gloves off. Let's fucking duke this out. And uh, they do. And the way Anderson throws his glove off, it's great. It's very like, I'm like, oh shit, this is a real fight. Like he squares up like this is a real fight. This is intense. This is good for baseball. This is exciting. Old heads probably will say it's not good for baseball. I think it's great for baseball. I think people need to talk about baseball, and people were talking about this. Now, here's when it gets not great. Some punches are thrown. T.A. hits a great body shot on Ramirez. Ramirez blindly swings. Wasn't even looking. Takes a blind swing. Knocks out T.A. Knocks him out right on his ass. I think he really knocks him out. Like, T.A. falls to the ground. He's getting helped off the field. He's like, I got this, bro. And he's like, he can't even walk. He's He's stumbling. He's, uh, he's a little fucked up. Um, Eloy, by the way, Eloy Jimenez, the guy that's made of glass, he gets injured during this altercation. He's not even in the fucking fight and he gets injured. I don't get it. We should trade him. We should not have, like, he's a walking liability and he's going to, and half the time he's not even walking because he's injured. We should get rid of him. We should sell before it gets worse. You know what I mean? Before he's like out, out. But anyway. T.A. gets knocked out. Got knocked out by Jose Ramirez. Flat on his ass. He was hazy for sure. He was seeing stars for sure. And I hated that it was Jose Ramirez. Because, like I said before, you know how I feel about him. And the way he looks. Puffy face. Allergic. Shellfish. Reaction guy. Um, But it is what it is. T.A. got laid out. And a lot of people think he deserved it. And to be honest, I've been out on T.A. this season. He hit his first home run like he hadn't hit a home run in over a calendar year. 
An entire year, T.A. had not hit a home run. Hit his first home run of the season a couple weeks back. He was really emotional about it. And, all, like, you know, if it was me, yeah, I'd be, like, really happy. But I wouldn't show it. I'd show that I was, like, disappointed that that was my first one. I'd be like, fuck, I should be doing a lot better. If I, if I want to talk like I'm one of the best players in the league, I should hold myself to a higher standard. I should not be ecstatic that I just hit my first home run of the season, of the year. Like what? So that was that was that. Um, Ramirez had some comments after the game. Ta went crazy on Twitter afterwards. I don't know the exact details on that. I'm not really a Twitter guy. I do not tweet much, but he tweeted some tweets that were twat, and uh, I think he deleted some tweets as well. So it's a messy situation. People are all for Team Jose Ramirez, um, Team Cleveland Guardians, and they are anti White Sox. They are anti Ta. Um, one thing I can say about the White Sox, though, their food is unmatched. Their food is fucking fantastic. So just to defend them real quick, guaranteed Rayfield has some great food. Fuck you. Um, yeah, it's hard to defend them. It is hard to defend them right now. TA is a shit talker, and they are, they are underperforming. And TA, Tim Anderson, number seven, only guy to hit a walk-off home run in a cornfield in Iowa and then get punched in the face a couple of years later. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. He's the only guy that's ever going to do that. So there you go, TA. You got a nice little record that you can, you know, hold on to. And you can put that one up on the wall, up on the trophy rack, if you will. So, all right. It's almost been 10 minutes uh, of me just talking about the TA fight. Again, not proud of it. It's not my proudest moment as a White Sox fan. This has been a disappointing, disgraceful season, in my opinion. Um. We'll talk about another brawl that happened after the intro music, because this is a solid intro, in my opinion. R.I.P. Tim Anderson. His stock is as low as ever. If we try to trade him, it's, it's not going to be high. Might get one prospect back. Might not even be a top 100 guy. I would hope for top 150, but you never know. You never know. So, Dark day for White Sox fans. Dark season for White Sox fans. 18 and a half games out of the wild card spot. Doesn't look good. I kind of sound like Jim Rome. Doesn't look good. Nah, I'm not going to go into that. Anyway, Skip Bayless, if you're looking for a new partner, I hear it's Richard Sherman, but if you want someone else, if you want another, you know, another white guy, I'm your guy. But I know diversity is important, so maybe go with Richard Sherman. He's got better hair than me. So There's that. But he also yells at his in-laws. I've never yelled at my in-laws. Just saying. Just saying. Just going to mark that one down. Yeah. All right. Episode 77. It's just me today, folks. Hope you enjoy. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. And we're back with episode 77 of Feel Good Friday FGF. That's right. We're here. I am your host, one Joseph Kruger. Very handsome, very charming, very muscular, hung like a shrew. But it is what it is. That's okay. We're not all perfect. That's okay. Anyway, like I said, there were a couple brawls that happened over the past week. It wasn't just TA7 getting his ass rocked by Ramirez. No, no, no. There was a much bigger brawl that happened down in Alabama on a dock in Montgomery, Alabama. Here is what happened. This fight involved dozens of people. It was pure chaos, but here's what happened. The man seen receiving the first blow was a black man who, in the words of Montgomery Police Chief Daryl Albert, was simply doing his job. 
That's in quotes. So it's official. Damian Pickett was a co-captain of the Harriet II, a riverboat carrying over 200 passengers that needed to dock but couldn't. A much smaller pontoon boat was wrongfully docked in the Harriet II's designated space. The occupiers of the pontoon boat were white men. Shocker. Boo. Instead of moving their pontoon, they decided to hit Mr. Pickett. So, here's breakdown of all that. And those are the official words of this article from BBC, which I assume stands for Big Black Cocks. Um, these white guys in this pontoon boat, they're very Jason L. Dean listening to try that in a small town motherfuckers. <sighs> Damien Piggott comes over and says, Hey guys, we got to park this riverboat here. Sorry, dock, it's not a car. Ugh, semantics. We have to dock this riverboat here and you guys are in our space. I need y'all to move. I don't know how his tone was. Maybe he was rude about it. Maybe he was like, Hey, get the fuck out of here. Harriet 2's got to park here. Dock here. Ugh. Um, but I'm assuming he probably wasn't, at least at first. But uh, uh, then I'm, you know, I'm hearing that, again, they're making a bunch of jokes that try that in a small town mentality. And uh, things got ugly. So they, they decided to hit Mr. Pickett. But before police could arrive and quell the violence, chaos erupted. Roughly two dozen people had joined the fight. Three men and one woman have turned themselves in after after uh, arrest warrants were issued by the Montgomery Police Department and have been charged with assault. Sorry, assault. A fifth person, the man seen wielding the chair in the video, which was wild, by the way, that he was whacking motherfuckers with that thing. Um, see, really, has been called in by police for questioning. Montgomery police so far have said they do not believe the incident was racially motivated. Pfft. Yeah, fucking right. No hate crime related charges or riot charges are expected. Okay. Although the investigation is ongoing. Court documents show that an eyewitness, the white mother of a teenage boy working alongside the co-captain, reported hearing the men use racial slurs moments before launching the attack. Woo, shocker. Yeah. Bunch of white guys in Montgomery, Alabama are racist? What? That's crazy. Wait a second. No, it's not. It's not crazy at all. Um, they're a bunch of assholes. They started a fight. They fucked around. They found out. It's as simple as that. And I think this is a, I think this is a win for the black community, in my opinion. Big win. Yeah. You know, that amount of violence, it's never a good look for anyone, but it's basically saying, Hey, you started it and we're going to fucking stick together and we're going to finish it. And that's what they did. They finished that shit. That guy with the chair was insane. That was straight up WWF Attitude Era, Mankind swinging a chair or The Rock or whoever had the biggest chair shots. Um, it was intense. It was it was pure anarchy. And uh, the videos are entertaining. You know, they, they look very hectic. A lot of commotion going on. Obviously, whoever is filming a fight is not going to stay perfectly still. So it definitely looks very hectic all the time. But... Um, this amount of people, there were people on the dock, there were people in the water, there was the guy with the chair, there was all sorts of stuff, and the internet found it, took control right, right away, I almost said white away, Ooh, that would have been not good for the current story that I'm talking about, but I didn't, I corrected myself right away, moving on, um, yeah, so internet found it, took control, memes, 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 gifts, 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 all that stuff, and, uh, made a mockery of it as they do everything. Or I don't know if it's necessarily making a mockery of it, but it's definitely making light of it and trying to make people 
you know, getting some comedic material from it, AKA memes and gifs. So I guess the internet is good for that, but you know, they don't give anything a chance to, uh, just chill, decompress. They are like, all right, memes right away. So I can appreciate that. That's hard work as well. But, uh, yeah, no, that was the other brawl that happened and, uh, kind of crazy, pretty, pretty crazy in my opinion, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, here's another thing that happened that I was, uh, this one I was, I was upset about. I wasn't upset about the Montgomery, Alabama brawl, you know, the white, the pontoon boat people had it coming. I was upset about the Tim Anderson brawl cause I'm a Sox fan and now we look like fucking jerks. This one I was upset about. This next uh, order of business, if you will. Good Housekeeping released a ranking. All 27 Pixar movies ranked from worst to best. Huh. Here we go. 27. Cars 3 from 2017. Uh, The fact that Lightning McQueen wrestles with aging in this movie and is teamed up with a younger charismatic screen partner gives this something for adults to latch onto. But there are still a lot of animated cars zooming around to sit through. That's why you put it at 27? Okay. Don't get me wrong. Cars 3 probably didn't need it. So 27, not that bad. But 26 is Finding Dory. I like Finding Dory better than Finding Nemo. And they have this ranked at 26 out of 27, I should add. 27 spots and Finding Dory is 26. That's kind of insane. Um, Dory trying to find her family despite her memory loss is a true story of triumph over adversity. But to do so, she has to travel through a lot of aquarium tanks. We love these familiar characters, but the plot gets repetitive. Who is writing this shit? What a dumb criticism of a movie. Just saying. It's a bit, uh, whatever. You know, the first movie is all in the ocean. This movie, a lot of the time it's at, it's at an aquarium. It's at a SeaWorld-esque type of thing. It's a totally different change of setting. New characters. What are we doing here? 25, The Good Dinosaur. That probably should have been last, in my opinion. This came out in 2015. While the more cartoonish designs of Arlo, the Apatosaurus star of the movie, and his human cave boyfriend are entertaining to watch, the tale, which covers young Arlo trying to reunite with a lost family, feels overly familiar. So, their criticisms of Pixar movies, if they're quote-unquote bad or you know the low ranked ones are um that it just feels familiar well yeah it's a disney movie it's gonna have kind of a same theme like triumph over adversity main characters feels like an outcast or you know has this mission and they're gonna go through a bunch of shit to get to where they need to be like that's basically what it is 24 is cars 2 so these the cars Trio, not doing, uh, sorry, Trilogy, Trio, whatever, it's the same thing. It's three movies, you fucking get it. Uh, Not doing well right now, 27 and 24. In this Cars sequel, there's a lot of focus on Lightning McQueen's buddy Mater, who was sent down a spy mission. That's not familiar, is it? Let's see what they got. Your mileage may vary depending on how entertaining you think Mater is, but a little Mater goes a long way. I don't know if they're ripping it or not, but maybe they like all of them, they just, they had to rank them. And, uh... I don't know. We'll see. 23 Monsters University. Fuck you. Monsters University is my favorite Disney movie of all time. It wasn't. Don't get me wrong. 
I didn't even see it in theaters. Came out in 2013. I didn't see it in theaters. Started watching it when we had Finn. And I absolutely love it. Mike Wazowski heads to college hoping to become a champion scarer, only to find that he's not as good uh, at it as he thought. That's a tough lesson for a kid's movie, that you're not going to be good at everything, no matter how hard you try or practice. And doesn't leave room for the fact that some people might want to do something they're not great at just because they like doing it. But thankfully there are enough Animal House style antics, this time for monsters, to soften the blow of the bummer parts. Okay, so you want to criticize it for being real? For, for teaching a real lesson? Fuck you, good housekeeping, whoever wrote this article. Big time. Monsters University should be number one, at least top five. 22 is Lightyear. Don't know how uh, Lightyear is better than Monsters University or Finding Dory, but uh, here it is at 22. This is famously supposed to be the movie that Andy watched that made him want a Buzz Lightyear action figure. But after seeing it, you would be forgiven if you didn't fully understand why he'd actually want it. Especially when Socks the Cat would be clearly the more desired toy. Would it though? There's some fun space adventuring and cool sci-fi elements, but Buzz himself seems to be dealing with some problems that read very adult, especially when it comes to wrestling with life's failures. Why couldn't he just dance a tango? All right, good housekeeping. Easy. 21 is A Bug's Life, one of the OGs from 1998. 21, Pixar's second feature film gets ground level and follows a young, awkward ant, Flick. Great name. Flick in the Bean. As he gets himself... I think there's actually a character named Bean in that. I think one of the, like... His love interest's daughter is named Bean. So that's kind of gross. But flicking the bean. That's funny. Uh, as he gets himself into all kinds of trouble. In an unlikely series of events, Flick calls on the help of a bug circus to help defend fellow ants from an evil grasshopper. If you've seen Seven, Sa- if you've seen Seven Samurai, or, you know, The Three Amigos or Galaxy Quest, you can see where the movie is headed long before the climax. But seeing bugs do it sure is entertaining. So they're saying it's predictable. It's a Disney movie. They're not going for big plot twists here. Come on. 20 is Brave from 2012. It's crazy how often mothers are absent or dead in kids' movies. Yikes. Think Bambi, Nemo, Cinderella. Finally. Finally! There's an adventure movie about mothers and daughters starring a princess with a rebellious spirit and hair that's basically its own character. Uh-uh. I apologize, that was gross. It's a shame the mom spends so much time transformed into a bear. Is that their criticism? They wanted it to be a mother-daughter thing, but they're mad because like that's like a big part of the movie. If the mother wasn't a bear, there would be no fucking plot. All right. <clears throat> 19 is Onward. Again, should not have been above Monsters University, should not have been above Finding Dory. But here we are. Onward has a lot to juggle. <clears throat> Let's bring that back a little bit. Yeah, we'll fix that in post. Onward has to juggle a lot of elements. There's an epic quest, a world where the fantastical and the mundane blend into each other, a story about two brothers and the loss of their father. And at times, it feels like the balance is off. But the action is great, and the heartwarming parts really land their emotional <clears throat> gut punch. 18 is Cars. The original Cars from 2006. So none of the Cars movies crack the top 15. For Pixar's rank. I think that's a little blasphemous. I think at least the first Cars. Cars 2, Cars 3, sure. Rank them low. But the original Cars is a fantastic movie. And I actually looked up the ride that they have for it in uh, Disneyland in California. The ride looks fantastic. I think it's supposed to be like 
I think they redid uh, Speed Track or Test Drive or whatever, Speedway, something, Speed Drive, Drive Speed, whatever the ride is from Epcot. I think they redid that and made it into cars, and Disney World should take notes because that's a fantastic ride from the looks of it, from the looks of it. It looks like a lot of fun. So uh, Original Cars 2006 is ranked at 18. Bit blasphemous in my opinion. Ka-chow! That's how they start this description. Cars may be about Lightning McQueen, the fastest racer around, but the story really gets going when he heads to Radiator Springs and things slow down a little. There, McQueen gets a lesson in appreciating the little things. A reminder that we can all use every now and again. Okay. 18, though? Fuck you. 17 is Soul from 2020. Again, fine movie. Pixar rarely misses, but above Cars, above MU, above Finding Dory... Fuck out of here. This may be Pixar's most gorgeous film to date. <laughs> and there's a fun body-switching adventure to go along with it. But there's also a lot of introspection about the difference between your life's passion versus your life's purpose. And kids and adults may find that a bit hard to relate to and heavy to wade through. And that rhymes. That's cool. They didn't write that it rhymes. I noticed that it rhymes, rhymed. And um, very observant like that. 16 is Elemental. Haven't seen it yet. I think it's still in theaters. It is not on Disney Plus yet. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to read this description and spoil anything. So 16 though. Apparently it's better than a lot of classics. 15 is Toy Story 4. So 15 being Toy Story 4 means that all four Toy Stories are in the top 15 Pixar movies. That is appropriate, I believe. The fourth installment in the Toy Story franchise introduces a bunch of new characters. Forky, Gabby Gabby, Ducky, and Bunny. Everything ends with a fucking Y. That's weird. Most of them, and I think they forgot to mention Duke Kaboom, but whatever. Who's, you know, he's arguably the greatest character in that movie. But let's not mention him. This list is fucked. Most of whom are hilarious, and all of whom get meaty stories. Ew, don't use the word meaty, come on. It's a gross adjective. But it also answers a question that was already very elegantly answered in Toy Story 3 about what toys do when it's time to move on. 14 is Luca. Get the fuck out of here. Luca's not that good. Some might give Luca demerits for not being as ambitious as either 2020 Pixar movie Onward or Soul, but by keeping the scope small and only using one magical element instead of trying to create complicated fantastical, they use that word fantastical again, this writer. Mm. Worlds that exist within our own, Luca is more successful at what it's trying to accomplish. A story about family and friendship. Santa Gargonzola. That's great. Is it though? 14, fuck you. 13 is Finding Nemo. So, Finding Nemo nor Finding Dory cracked the top 10. Finding Nemo proves the lengths the father will go, well, swim. <laughs> Very funny. For his son. In this case, he also meets some fantastic friends like the Forgetful Dory or Chill Turtles Crush and Squirt. Crush and Squirt. <laughs> that's what I used to do and uh well I wasn't a squirt I wouldn't I would make anyway along the way it's these characters rather than the run-of-the-mill plot that give Nemo its charm 12 is Monsters Inc I refuse to believe that Monsters Inc nor Monsters University is in the top 10 Pixar movies here's what it says though Pixar has a knack for pulling off the unexpected really you were just talking about how everything's predictable in Monsters, Inc., it sets up a backwards world where monsters are believably scared of kids. And, ooh, and it makes a movie about office politicking that isn't boring. Lots of adult movies can't pull that second thing off. Eleven is the original Toy Story. 
The original Toy Story, the 1995, the first Pixar movie. Toy Story started all way back in 1995 and showed the world that a completely computer animated feature film was a viable prospect. But rewatching it now, you can see just how far the technology has come, and the animation here looks much rougher. Still, this, in, this one introduces us to Woody and Buzz, and we've had a friend in them ever since. Sex, baby. 10. The Incredibles, the first Incredibles from 2004. So both of the Incredible movies are in the top 10. This movie has a ton of exciting superhero action scenes that sees the man characters lift. Wait, this movie has a ton of exciting superhero action scenes. Oh, yeah, I added the word scenes. That's not even in this paragraph. Why did I add the word scenes? That's really weird. This movie has a ton of exciting superhero action that sees the man, I think they meant to say main, Main characters, because it says man. That's why I'm so... So this writer fucked up. This isn't on me. It's kind of on me. It's 50-50. Equal blame to go around. So I'm going to read it how this author wrote it. It's, the word man is supposed to be main. Just keep that in mind. But I'm going to say man, because that's, that's how they wrote it. This movie has a ton of exciting superhero action. It sees the man characters lift, stretch, disappear, and run their way to victory. But they also have to learn to work together as a team which is something all families can relate to at one point or another. Mm -hmm. Nine, Toy Story 3 from 2010. The third film in the Toy Story franchise beautifully examines what happens when people outgrow their old toys, which requires about 10,000 tissues each rewatch. Um, yeah, I thought they should have ended it at four, but I think they were like, we can make more money. And I, I believe they're doing a fifth one. Eight is up, a cowboy and a spaceman, a rat and a chef, a girl and a monster. Pixar movies, Pixar, why am I adding words to these? I don't know what I'm excited, I guess. I'm hyped up. I'm riled up. Pixar always does great work when it comes to unlikely pairings. In Up's case, a cranky old man, an earnest young scout, and an overeager dog head off on a gorgeous globe-trotting journey and wind up being just the trio needed to defeat some unwitting foes. It shows us that heroes can look like anything. It's also very sad intro it's one of the saddest intros like disney what what are you doing here you're killing me emotionally you're killing me. you're it's a good movie it's a great movie seven inside out from 2015 there's nothing more complex than the emotions of a preteen i guess i'm going to find that out in a few years when finn is a preteen but pixar not only treats this subject with empathy it creates entertaining and moving story about the feelings and control of the whole world inside a young girl's mind Movie mostly ignores 11-year-olds, so it's a gift to have a whole movie devoted to what's going on in their mind. It's, that's that. This author, the things are getting harder to read. Am I, am I fading out here? I don't know. Six is Ratatouille. I'm happy that Ratatouille made the top six. I love that for Ratatouille. Ratatouille is one of my favorites. There's plenty to laugh about when a starry-eyed rat teams up with a hapless chef to get cooking in the kitchen, as Remy and Luigi do in Ratatouille. But there's also a heartwarming lesson tucked in there about how greatness can come from even the most unassuming places. True, true. Five is turning red. Get the fuck out of here. Five should not be turning red. Turning red was not that good of a movie. I'm sick of it. Like, oh, it's new and it sends a PC message and all that. Like, no, it's not good. It's not that good of a movie. It really is not that good. In those early teenage years, kids are like wild beasts. And turning red takes that literally telling the story of meh. A girl who turns into a giant wild red panda every time she feels extreme emotions, which, as a teenage girl, is always 
But what makes it more than just a body horror movie is the way Meh relies on her strongest bonds, her family and friends, to deal with the beast within. Brave was a good start, but Turning Red is truly the movies that mother and daughters deserve. Is it? Is it? Four. Toy Story 2. My favorite of the Toy Story franchise. Toy Story 2 is the pinnacle of the franchise. The pinnacle. That's a good word. Pinnacle. With the character dynamics already established, the film, or I'm sorry, this film can hit the ground running, sending the toys on a mission that's remarkably poignant. Jessie's When She Loved Me. Sob. Ugh. And hilariously gag-filled. Buzz and Zerg do their own Star Wars reveal. It's a solid movie. It's one of my favorites. Three is Coco. 2017. Coco's solid. I don't know if it should be three. It'd be easy for a movie about a young boy traveling through the land of the dead to turn maudlin, or even frightening, but... In Pixar's hands, Coco remains uplifting, and the candy-colored underworld is a treat for the eyes. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, three? Like, I feel like the description should be more in-depth for these when we get closer and closer to the top. Like, that, to me, that doesn't warrant it to be a top three Pixar movie based off that description. If anything, Monsters University, that description was the best. Like, yeah, you're not going to be good at everything. That's okay. You're going to find your niche one day. Two. The Incredibles 2. The Incredibles 2 is ranked number two in the list. So they have it better than the original. Director Brad Bird has such a facility with action sequences. He finds delightful ways to mix up all the different superpowers of all the heroes in this movie. But the family story at the center ensures that there's heart behind all the mayhem. Whatever. And number one. Number one out of the 27 Pixar movies ranked is 2008's Wall-E. Here we go. Let's see. Let's see if this description does it justice for being number one. Wally is a truly impressive feat. Okay, good start. Because you feel lonely. Nope. Because you feel for the lonely little robot on his Earth cleanup mission from the very beginning, which is mostly wordless, so even little kids can understand his plight. The movie builds from there, sending Wally into space, where he does do a spacewalk dance with Eve. That's a lovely bit of animation. A quest that turns him into a brave little hero. Plus, its message of eco-friendliness couldn't be more prescient. Marissa Lascala is the author of this ranking. And Marissa, I do not agree with the list. I'm sorry. I just don't. Everyone has their opinions. They can do whatever they want. I don't agree with this list. Monsters University, getting disrespected. Finding Dory, disrespected. Cars, disrespected. A lot of disrespect going on for some of the all-time greats. <sighs> how toys, how one of the Toy Stories was now number one is crazy to me. And I like Wally. I really, I love Wally. Wally's a great movie, but one of the Toy Stories should have been number one. Come on, people, what are we doing here? What are we? It's Toy Story. It Toy Story is the like it is Pixar. People will most likely think Toy Story when they think of Pixar. That's what it is. So that's what's going on in my world. Um, yeah, so just going over the rankings of the Pixar movies. I'm almost 30. All right, people, I'm going to take a little break. And, uh, when we get back, sorry for all the mess up, mess ups, by the way, I'm, I was trying to get through that list, but I also wanted to read each description and let you know what they said. So, um, when we get back, we got more to talk about. We got some things to talk about. What those things are? Stick around and find out. 
All right, everybody, we are back, back and better than ever, if I can say so myself. As a matter of fact, I do say so myself. Um, after that Pixar breakdown, but um, you know, I can't believe I haven't mentioned it yet so far in this episode. But since the last time I recorded, my family, my loving family, did in fact throw me a surprise party for my 30th birthday. Very, very nice gesture. I appreciated it a ton. Um, it happened last Friday. My dad had texted me earlier in the week, said he needed me to come over and help move some stuff. Uh, and that's kind of all he said in the text. It was very vague. So I should have known right away, but I kind of just thought nothing of it. I was like, all right, I guess he needs me to help move some stuff. And my mom was like, Becky and Steve are going to come by too. Steve's going to help you guys. And uh, so then I was like, eh, eh, could this be something? And then on the way there, it really hit me. I was like, I wonder if this is, uh, this might be a little thing. Because my dad never asks for help moving stuff. Like in my 29, almost 30 years on this earth, he has never once asked for help moving anything. He's been a very strong, independent man. Um, so on the way there, I'm listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but it starts to hit me like, this could be something. You know? I don't know. I don't know exactly what. But it could be something. So on the way there, I turned my hat backwards because I had it forwards. And I was like, just in case, better look as cool as possible. So I turned that, the Ron John surf shop hat backwards. And uh, I get Finn out of the car, and I walk up through the garage, and Lucy and Tunia are there. Those are Becky and Steve's dogs. And uh, I'm like, get back. Get back, Lucy. Get back. So there's like this like whole minute where I'm trying to just get Lucy back, so I'm sure they love that. And then I, I ended up walking in the garage backwards because I was telling Lucy to get back. So I didn't see anyone at first. Then I do a turnaround, and it's just surprise, and it's it's great. It was fantastic. It was uh, it was Jimmy Buffett themed. Everyone was in Hawaiian shirts, and there was plenty of tropical uh, decor all around the garage. It was a very beautiful scene. It was very very beautiful scenery, very exotic, and I loved it. There was a big blow up cooler that was a palm tree that was amazing, and I hope uh, I hope I can keep it. I haven't been in contact with my parents about that since the party. Um, but I really like that. So I love that. And then I got a new Hawaiian shirt. They bought me my own Hawaiian shirt. They got Finn a Hawaiian shirt. And then my sister made me and Finn our own, uh, our own t-shirts. Uh, mine says Aloha 30. And I think Finn's says Aloha on it. Just Aloha, you know, little, little, little tater tot, little kahuna saying Aloha to you. Might be his first word. I don't know, but, uh, it was a great party. It was really nice. Uh, a lot of family, few friends. It was a nice, solid group. Uh, there was a cake that the cake was supposed to be like the ocean and some islands. And they made the island like the sandbar. Just it looked like a giant dick. And I thought that was pretty funny. And my mom thought it was funny, too, even, you know, she wasn't she she was the one who pointed it out at first. She was like. 
it's supposed to be an island. And I'm like, why is this supposed to? Oh, it's a dick. Um, and then there was B-dubs and there was Domino's and there was a bunch of candy, all my favorite candies. There was the uh, salami and cream cheese appetizers I get, the spinach and artichoke dip that my aunt makes, my my godmother. Um, there was the, the cake. It was It was beautiful. Obviously, beer and seltzer galore. My brother-in-law, Steve, made uh, a tropical drink. I forgot exactly what was in it. I think it was like Captain Morgan and uh, Grenadine and something else. Uh, It was delicious. I had three servings of it. I know that much. (laughs) Yeah, good night. Good night for sure. Um, Bean bags were thrown. I got to control the music. Uh, it It was really nice. And everyone was wearing Hawaiian shirts. So it was definitely good vibes. And I felt very appreciated and I felt very loved. And um, it was a beautiful thing. And I think arguably, arguably, it is up for debate, but I am going to say arguably the best part is that my, like my birthday cards that I received from family, uh, I received $150 worth of Chili's gift cards. $150 worth of Chili's gift cards. If it's just me going to Chili's, like if it's just me buying for me, that's like a week's worth of Chili's. Now, if I go out with Cassie and Finn, it's a little bit more. If I go out with some some friends, that's a little bit more. I'm not, you know, I probably won't pay for my friends, but uh, but still, $150 worth of Chili's gift cards. They know me so well. They know me so damn well. The question was asked. If you could have one franchise restaurant in your house, what would it be? The finalists for me were Chipotle, Chili's, Hooters, Margaritaville. And then my mind went back to the little strip of land in San Antonio along the Riverwalk, a.k.a. my little strip of paradise, where it was a Hooters, Chili's, and Margaritaville just all right next to each other. It was it was fucking amazing. Uh, I can't believe I didn't take advantage of that more when I was down there. I probably should have been there every weekend, but instead I went maybe, maybe once a month. Definitely should have been there more, though. Um, Yeah, just the freedom I had down in Texas that I didn't even realize was freedom. Crazy thinking about it now. But uh, the party was amazing, and um, I loved it very much, and I love getting $150 worth of Chili's gift cards. That definitely makes me happy. That makes me a happy boy. Gets my nips rock hard, as Michael Shannon says in the new GIF. Um, I'm such a happy boy, or I'm such a lucky boy, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, so I really do feel the love, and uh, thank you to all who helped plan it, all who attended, and uh, I guess all who wish they could attend, but you didn't attend, so maybe fuck you, but I guess you're cool, whatever. We'll figure it out. Anyway, like I mentioned earlier, I was listening to the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, and I kind of sound like uh, Jesse Ventura right now, so I'm going to switch that off, but uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, I finally saw it. It came to uh, Disney Plus streaming, so I got to check it out, and I loved it. I think it's, it's just such a fantastic... Uh, film. It's a fantastic trilogy. James Gunn absolutely killed it. Um, it, it. There's not a weak one in the bunch, in my opinion. Can't say that for other Marvel trilogies, MCU trilogies. 
Like Iron Man 2 is viewed as some by a weak, the weak spot. Thor 2 is the weak spot. Maybe Captain America could, uh, you know, throw hands with the Guardians of the Galaxy san- franchise, trilogy, whatever. Um, some people argued the first Captain America isn't that good. But, um, so I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is, Galaxy's. what's wrong with me? I think Guardians of the Galaxy is the best uh, franchise, trilogy, whatever, in the MCU. And the third one confirmed it. The soundtrack was amazing as always. San Francisco by the Mowglies. Since You've Been Gone. Um, Crazy on You by Heart. Oh, I, I didn't even mention the best one. The Beastie Boys have a song in there. And it's my favorite Beastie Boys song. It's No Sleep Till Brooklyn. And it's an amazing, amazing scene to it. It's a fight scene. It's a lot. It's like a, it's supposed to be a one shot. Obviously, it's a lot of CGI. That's potentially the downfall of the MCU. But it, it's amazing that what they do with that song and that scene is, is great. It's very colorful, very, very vibrant. It's still very funny. It's sad, but it's funny. Um, there are some new characters in it that are great. And it's just all really enjoyable. It's just an enjoyable franchise, an enjoyable trilogy. I, don't, I, I say franchise followed by trilogy every time because I'm not exactly sure what to call it. I feel like the MCU is a franchise more so than Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's like a franchise within a franchise, a little franchiseception. Um, so I guess trilogy would be a better, better word for it. So we'll see if I can remember that if I uh, say it again. Um, I just have nothing but good things to say about this movie. They had Gamora back in it. She's a Ravager now. And uh, she was pretty pretty ruthless in it, but eventually softened up towards Quill. And there was a nice little thing there, but they ended up not getting back together. I don't know if that's done for good or if there is hope for him. Because spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. See, now I have a whole ring thing for it. Um, at the end of the movie, it says the amazing or the incredible, it's some adjective like that. Star Lord will return. So Chris Pratt, Peter Quill, Star Lord, not done yet. Not done yet. Cause the new guardians of the galaxy, it's a uh, rocket Groot, the dog, some little girl, um, Adam Warlock. And then, uh, fuck who else the 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 guy the new whistleblower guy i can't think of all their names i'm not that great with names again i've kind of i'm not as big of a marvel fan as i was back in the day but um i don't even mind the new guardians they're they're a fun little group and uh there's a nice uh uh nice nod nice ode to the original guardians of the galaxy at the end the new guardians of the galaxy are running slow motion into battle. Of course it's slow motion. Why wouldn't it be? It's an MCU movie. Uh, into battle uh, with Come and Get Your Love by Redbone playing. And it's just a, it's a nice little scene right there. The movie opens with Creep, by the way, by Radiohead. I don't know if that's important to you. It probably isn't. Some flaming lips are on there. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. It's, it's an all-around good movie. Which is really good for the MCU because I think they were hitting a low point and they might return to that low point. Um, I haven't heard much about Secret Invasion. No one's been asking me about it. 
the Marvels, I think, is going to get a lot of hate. People don't like Brie Larson, and people just tend to be against the feminist stuff, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of, like, we are women, we are strong in that movie, much like they did for She-Hulk. Now, let the record fucking show right now. Let the record show. I don't want this to come back. Let the record show I did not mind She-Hulk. I do not mind that stuff. Here's what I will say. I think the more you try to push it, the more you try to be like, we're women, we're awesome, the more horrible that makes the misogynists out there. Like, it's like the the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter movement, um, that only makes the racist more racist. A racist won't see the BLM movement and be like, yeah, you know what, you're right, I'm going to change my ways. No, it just makes them hate it even more, which is disgusting. And I hate that it works that way, but that's just the way it works. Like the brawl that happened in, in Alabama, like there aren't racist white people that see that and go, wow, we really got our ass kicked. Maybe we should stop being racist. No. Racist white people see that and they go, oh, they should all be in jail for what they did to us. Not even realizing that we and those motherfuckers in the pontoon were probably the ones in the wrong. Again, I don't know the full story, but it definitely feels like that. So that's why I'm I'm worried for the Marvels and I'm worried for the future of She-Hulk because they really, I, I think a lot of it, like there was a lot of pushing of the, you know, strong woman movement, strong woman. Ugh, God, I hate that. Um, not the strong woman movement, that pinky doll or whatever, but, uh, ice cream. So good. Um, the more they push it, the more that the people who, are already tired of it, a.k.a. misogynist and usually racist and just the white guys with really close selfies with sunglasses and backwards, or I'm sorry, forward-facing baseball caps as their profile picture. Those guys, yeah, they're usually the ones that are like, you know, oh, Marvel keeps throwing this woke shit in our faces. Same guys that probably are trying to downplay and protest Barbie. It's, it's guys that just don't, they don't like it. And unfortunately, you know, there's nothing you can do to change it. It sucks. There's, there's nothing like it's the harsh reality. You know, you're right now you're, we're kind of, I think, I don't know if it's peaking or if it already peaked and we're almost, but like, you know, like ESPN is pumping WNBA And I look at the comments and it is all hate, 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 you know, but if you take a back seat, then people forget about you completely. So it's either people know about you and they're mad about you, which I guess any press is good press, maybe, or people forget about you and then, you know, don't, don't, you know, speak out on how much they hate it. It's, it's an awful place to be. And I do feel bad. That it's like that, because I know, I'm sure there are dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people trying to formulate a way to get the WNBA and um, women in film the respect that they deserve. 
And I think, to be honest, horror movies probably respect women the most or, or horror movie fans because the final girl, the scream Queens, like it's, it's a lot. And like in the slasher movies and even paranormal movies, a lot of the times it's female leads against the slasher. And a lot of the times they'll win. So horror movies, good for you. Good on you. 81 days till Halloween, by the way, 81 days. Not that I'm keeping track. Just kidding, I am. So Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was awesome. It was awesome. It was a really good time, and I recommend it. Finn enjoyed it. We both enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Anyway, we're going to take uh, one more break. When we get back, we're going to wrap this thing up burrito style. I know this episode went fast. I feel like it's like Tim Anderson, Montgomery, Pixar, surprise party. Well, I guess I did talk about a lot. Uh, who knows what I'll talk about in the intro. Probably going to talk about the, uh, the death and then the resurrection of Lil' Tay. But will I? Stay tuned. Stick around and find out. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. And we're back. Episode 77. We're back. Feel good Friday. Feeling good on a Friday. Sparkling thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for uh, listening to the entire episode. If you made it to this point, I assume you're going to listen to the entire episode. Um, so I appreciate you for that. As always, as always, I appreciate you. Now, after this episode 77, there will be another episode 78. That's how numbers work. Don't worry. We're not dead. And if we are dead, we'll resurrect just like Lil Tay. I know that transition was a bit of a stretch. I realized that, but, uh, it is what it is. I had to get onto it somehow. I wasn't just going to be like, thanks for tuning in. Lil Tay. All right, now let's talk about Lil Tay, first off. She was huge a few years ago. She was this uh, social media star, just seemed like the biggest spoiled brat. She'd be like flashing around all her money and these cars, and she'd be like, I'm Lil Tay, I got so much fucking money, and you're a broke bitch, and look at my fucking car. And she's just this foul-mouthed little shithead. Don't get me wrong, I swore a lot growing up. I got introduced to, uh, you know, profanity at an early age due to South Park and PG-13 and R-rated movies and whatnot. But, um, you know, th- this girl was, uh, maybe I was annoying about it too, but I wasn't famous, so we all hate her. Anyway, uh, th- I guess there were some people that liked her. Enough people that she blew up. She blew up. She was a huge star. And she had a lot of money. Maybe she did. Maybe it was all an act. I don't know. I don't know. Lil Tay was big. She was a big deal. I don't know if she still is a big deal, but she was a few days ago when there was an Instagram post falsely claiming that controversial 14-year-old rapper, oh yeah, that's how she was. She was a rapper too. An influencer, Lil Tay, had died last week, but it was the work of a hacker, Meta confirms to TMZ. Five years after becoming a viral sensation, Tay recently found herself back in the headlines when an announcement of her untimely death was posted to her Instagram page. Then, the next day, she resurfaced with a statement via her family to TMZ 
claiming her account had been hacked and she was alive and well. Her quote, <clears throat> and I'm not going to say it like Lil Tay because I cannot talk like a 14-year-old girl. I can try, but, you know, her voice is even more annoying than that. I want to make it clear that my brother, speaking of 14-year-old girl, Wander Franco, fucking yikes, buddy. Supposed to be like the next big thing. And then you get with a 14-year-old and your career is ruined. Why would you? Dude, you're one of the best players in the MLB. You don't have to get with a 14-year-old. I'm telling you. You can get with plenty of women who are over 18. Like, why the fuck would you throw away your entire career? Like, you're fucked, Wander Franco. Good, 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 goodbye, you idiot. Anyway, <clears throat> Lil Tay, quote, I want to make it clear. I'm trying, that's not her voice either. That sounded like a Jewish scientist. I want to make it clear. All right, <clears throat> we'll try it. Well, I'm going to try to get through this. I'm just going to say the quote in my voice. I want to make it clear that my brother and I are safe and alive. Yeah, her brother was involved too. God damn it, I keep getting fucking sidetracked. All right, we're going through the quote. I want to make it clear that my brother and I are safe and alive. But I'm completely heartbroken and struggling to even find the right words to say, the statement read. It's been a very traumatizing 24 hours. All day yesterday, I was bombarded with endless heartbreaking and tearful phone calls from loved ones, all while trying to sort out this mess. My Instagram account was compromised by a third party and used to spread jarring misinformation and rumors regarding me to the point that even my name was wrong. My legal name is Tay Tatian, 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 whatever, not Claire Hope. The statement uh, continued. Meta is backing up Tay's statement with a spokesperson confirming to TMZ that the tech giant worked with Tay to get her account back after it was hacked. The media outlet also reports that it was contacted by an individual who claimed to be a representative for Tay's family, issuing a press release that said Tay and her brother had died at their mother's home in Vancouver. Back to the Jewish what am I doing? However, inquires to police in the area and family members reportedly came back empty. Lil Tay's former manager, Harry Sang, previously told E.T. that he believes her brother Jason was behind the death hoax in order to raise awareness and funds via GoFundMe. E.T. reached out to Jason for comment. In a statement to E.T., Sang said, Given the complexities of the current circumstances, wow, those are big words, I am at a point where I cannot definitely... Definitively, <laughs> I'm a moron. Well, I just said those are big words. And the words aren't even that big. Complexities, circumstance. I know those words. But then I said definitively wrong. I'm a moron. I, uh, I'm at a point where I cannot definitively confirm or dismiss the legitimacy of the statement issued by the family. He added, this situation calls for cautious consideration and respect for the sensitivities involved. Saying statement came after Lil Tay's father, Christopher Hope told Business Insider he could not comment on the family's Instagram post. Last week, a statement shared on her Instagram account said that Lil Tay, 14, and her brother Jason Tian had died and that the circumstances surrounding their death remained under investigation. Here's the actual post that set everyone off. That, you know, was like, oh shit, Lil Tay's dead. What the fuck? It is with a heavy heart that we share the devastating news of our beloved Claire's sudden and tragic um, where, oh, <laughs> told you I'm dumb. It is with a heavy heart that we share the devastating news of our beloved Claire's sudden and tragic passing. 
the false statement read. We have no words to express the unbearable loss and indescribable pain. This outcome was entirely unexpected and has left us all in shock. Her brother's passing adds an even more unimaginable depth to our grief. During this time of immense sorrow, we kindly ask for privacy as we grieve this overwhelming loss, as the circumstances surrounding Claire and her brother's passing are still under investigation. The statement continued, Claire will forever remain in our farts, in our hearts. <clears throat> Whoops. Her absence leaving an irreplaceable void that will be felt by all who knew and loved her. The fake post has since been scrubbed from Lil Tay's account, although she has not posted anything new with her online presence virtually disappearing midway through 2018. Her most recent post remains a tribute to the late rapper XXXTentacion. I still, I, I, I did not get the hype over that guy. I'm sorry. I just didn't. And he was killed in an armed robbery uh, in 2018. So, anyway. Um, Lil Tay, she had that feud with uh, Daniel Brigoli, a.k.a. Bad Baby. So that was a thing that people cared about. The internet had some, the social, social media has gone through some dark times. Like the little Tay, bad baby. Um, and there's another uh, white girl that talks like she's not white. And we'll just say that. Uh, yeah. Like those. Were, and then I think there's something called the, it's like bonk gang. I think that's when I started phasing out of trends. And I'm like, you know what? I fucking, I can't do this shit. Lil Tay was part of the reason why. So thank you, Lil Tay, for making me mature in a little bit uh, of the sense, you know? You are the reason why I stopped caring about new stuff. So thank you for being as annoying as you were. You're a national treasure. Glad you're alive. I don't wish death upon anyone, especially a 14-year-old or uh, I guess if she, I don't know if she's 14. Is would she? I don't know if she was 14 in 2018. I don't know. I haven't seen her since she was that annoying little shit who was flaunting her stacks of cash and sitting inside expensive cars saying, you guys don't own shit. I'm rich, bitch. And stuff of that nature. Just super obnoxious. Um, but glad you're alive. Whole thing is crazy. I mean, death hoaxes happen. I get it. Hoaxes? Is that the right pluralization of hoax? Is it hoax eye? Is it hoy? believe it's i believe it's hoaxes i know they happen all the time i get it but um yeah this was just another brick in the wall i guess but this one was wild because people started commenting they're like her family just done some fucked up shit there's more to it you know like they're saying they're kind of implying that her family like her parents murdered her and her brother or something like that and then it's all fake it's all fake i don't know it's an interesting story um, and to touch on last week's story, the crazy plain lady, her name's Tiffany Gomez. She has come out, uh, publicly. She apologized for her video going viral. It wasn't her video. It was a video taken of her. Um, she's super hot. Not going to lie. Uh, only 7,000 followers might hit her up. Try to get her on the podcast. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know why I added she was super hot. <laughs> Just kind of, it was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, Wow. Crazy plane lady, you know, this motherfucker is not real. And I'm, I would not be real for you. All right. I, there's no good pickup line there. That was uh, an attempt and uh, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. So I'm going to wrap up on that stupid, stupid note. 
And you guys have a great weekend. I appreciate all of you. Thank you again for listening. You guys are uh, the backbone of this podcast. And again, I am the the rock hard raging boner fied dick. And, uh, but without you, I I'm just a flaccid little penis flapping in the wind. So thank you for your support. Episode 78 will be next. That's how numbers work. Or is this episode 78? <laughs> we're getting to the point where I'm just forgetting episodes, you know, or we're just pumping out so many, just pumping. I told you I'm a dick. I'm just pumping them out. All right. Whatever the episode is, that'll be next. This one happened. You get the point. Have a good weekend, y'all. Feel good on this Friday. Fuck, that was stupid.